So maybe like Ralphie and whoever his brother was in a Christmas story. Oh, we're back. Hey, welcome back to Neverending Q podcast. We're actually still doing honorable mentions from the uh, last episode of Siblings, but I guess we can move on now. Uh, Has it been a week already? Wow. It's been a week already, yeah. I should probably take a shower. We didn't go to work. (laughs) I assume we still have families, but maybe not. I'm still trying to figure out which guy was which in the prestige. So could we just go back to that for a couple minutes? Scene one. Let's start right from the beginning. We have 15 minutes. We can talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) This week we are doing uh, our favorite father and son or daughter call it child relationship in movies uh in honor of that theme we are going from a three-man podcast to a four-man podcast we brought in one more uh father and son welcome rob pretty how you doing i'm doing great and as always we have matt how you doing matt hey kurt we got some big dad energy going on tonight excited to be here very excited to be here. And Jeff's sultry voice. Good evening, Kurt. Rounding us out. I love it. So with this one, we tried to uh, pick examples uh, of movies where the, the father-child dynamic is, I guess, not only a, a key component of the movie, but also one of the main reasons that we're, we're drawn back into rewatching it. Um, this one was pretty fun for me. We tried to, to stick to uh, actual fathers and sons, not surrogate fathers. Um, I did anyway, if you guys didn't, you know, it's your list, you can do what you want, but we tried to cover that in one of our previous episodes of, uh, role models and, and mentors. Speaking of which, like I, I wanted to put big daddy on this list and I was like, ah, it's more of a role model. I was like, Oh, that was a miss on, uh, yeah. On the role models podcast. And it's going to be a miss on this one. So it, it fell into this weird. I don't know. Gray not area. to derail us already. I don't know if it's a, it's a, if it's a mentor one though. It's why like a weird. Why don't we just ground. wait and find out? Yeah. Why don't yes. we just wait and find out? <laughs> Where's the fun in that? Well, for those that uh, have not been following along, we're going to build a cinema six pack, which way we do that is each of the four of us have compiled a, a top five list. And we're going to start at slot number five. We're each going to submit our nominees for slot five, brief discussion. And then uh, we'll pick an official selection for that. We'll do that uh, for spots four, three, two, and one. Um, this week, we're going to actually tally which one of us uh, gets selected for, for each of the spots. We'll see who has the most picks by the end of the episode. Jeff, I think you're going to tally for us. Um, so that'll give us five movies and then, uh, Make sure the you take spot. your socks off Jeff so you can use your toes. That's a good point. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll need that to count up my wins. <laughs> Jeff has done really well in this so far. I'd, I'd venture to guess Jeff's been keeping track already. Yeah, I think, I think Jeff's unofficially, probably, I think Jeff's, yeah. Jeff's probably got five or six points ahead of us, Kurt. I feel like you and I are probably around the same. I feel like Pearl Harbor knocked you back. I probably got negative points from. I mean, maybe though. <laughs> you know, we're we're broadening our audience base every day, and uh, we are. You know, Alec Baldwin was kind of a father figure to Ben Affleck. Yeah. You know, Thanks, Bob. Why Harbor. don't we wait and find out? <laughs> 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 so let's take a top five list, and then we'll uh, 
love a few honorable mentions and uh, we'll take kind of a wild card as a sixth spot. So uh, tonight we're going to go in the order uh, of who has the oldest children. So it's going to be uh, me, then Matt, then Jeff, then Rob. So there's nothing else. I'll kick us off. Uh, my number five entry is a 2001 movie uh, starring Tom Green called Freddy Got Fingered. Um, I'm going to take us back to a time when we all decided as a country that Tom Green was going to be a thing. And then I think during this movie, we all decided, what are we doing? Um, I'm kidding. It's not actually my number five. Holy it could have been. <laughs> uh, my actual number five you is... You had me there. <laughs> it's a movie we talked about, uh, I think, on Siblings and Honorable Mentions. Um, it's 2011's Warrior. Uh, Patty Conlon, played by Nick Nolte, father of uh, Tommy Conlon, played by... Tom Hardy and Brendan Conlon played by Joel Edgerton. Uh, it's an MMA movie and it's, it's really just kind of an, an underdog story. Um, but underneath it is the, the story of this father, Patty, who's a, a uh, recovering alcoholic who is trying to repair relationships with uh, his sons who both of which really want nothing to do with him. Um, Brendan, nothing at all to do with him. And Tommy wants no relationship with him, but he just needs him to, to train him for an upcoming fight. Um, the thing I like about this movie, other than, than I think it was perfect casting, you know, in, in choosing Nick Nolte because it, Nick Nolte is just kind of like a, a very gruff, very intimidating guy. Um, and in this, he's like very soft, but there's this underlying current of, they never say what he did or how he was. It was just that he was very abusive and, and, you know, had a, a toxic relationship with alcohol and in a way it's it's almost more effective that they don't get into like what he specifically did or, or examples or flashbacks or anything um so Nolte plays it really subdued but there are flashes of you know who this guy used to be um and he'll go his voice will get real gruff and you know um there's a scene in the diner when he's talking to Tommy um about cleaning up if he's going to train him then he's then Tommy needs to clean up the drug use and, you know, you sound like a damn maraca shaker when you walked in. Um, there's a scene in the hotel when he just has a complete relapse where you just kind of see like the rage and anger in this guy. So, I mean, it was, it was going to be a great movie without that component of it. And I think that, that that elevated it to something that was, that was really special and Nolte got nominated for it. Um, he didn't win, but I, I thought it was telling that he got nominated. So uh, that's my number five. You guys have anything on, on this Movie, anything dad? I like your Nolte impression. That wasn't bad. <laughs> I can keep going for the whole episode if you want me to. Why don't you do that voice for the rest of the pot? Tom Hardy and get... Joel, Joel Edgerton are great, though, too. I, I mean, Hardy's great in everything that he does, but I feel like those guys are they're both tough, like like looking at both of them. Yeah. Joel Edgerton's one of those guys that's they kind fit, of the They fit the role. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't, like... He's definitely not a headline guy, but I'm always happy to see him in whatever I see him in, you know? He's a solid like, second tier guy. In, he was in, what was it, Zero Dark Thirty? He was like the main SWAT team guy? Yeah. Or he's Navy SEAL guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, guy. Black Mass. Um, Black Mass, yeah. Animal Kingdom, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, his, his, he's put together a really good filmography, but and both those guys got in incredible shape i mean in hardy's case it looks like with the use of some substances because his traps are 
almost up to his ears. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. And uh, it's just but then, you know, his craft. Yeah. Yeah. The sibling relationship wasn't big enough. It wasn't uh, prevalent enough for me to put it in, but it made it in here for the, uh, the father son dynamic. So nice. that's my five. So Matt, what do you got? Um, I have a little movie called catch me if you can. Um, it's the relationship between uh, Leo and Christopher Walken, Frank senior and Frank jr. Um, we don't get a ton of screen time between these two. I think that's why I have it at five. I think if we got even 10, 15 more minutes of screen time between these two, it probably would have been further up my list. But the, the reason I included this movie is because in, in just a few scenes, we immediately understand not only why Frank Jr. goes on to become one of the biggest con mans in, in history, um, but how, right? Like he steals a few of his main moves, like the, the necklace move, you know, must have just fallen right off your neck, um, to sort of his, the whole way, his swagger, the way he carries himself when he's trying to, you know, pull through a con. He, he gets that from his dad. Um, so it's just, it's, it's simultaneously a great sort of plot building relationship, but it's also just a very, a very moving sort of relationship because you also see in those scenes, as well as the letters Frank Jr. writes to his dad throughout the movie, the, the scene when he buys him a Cadillac and ultimately like the, the devastation that you see in Leo when Hanratty tells him on the plane that his father died, like how much his dad meant to him right yeah. um so just just a really really powerful strong relationship father-son relationship um anytime you get leo and walking on the same screen like i'm there i'm in you know uh i yeah. don't care what the backstory is um you know it could be pearl harbor i don't care just i'm there um <laughs> but uh yeah i just thought it was a really really nicely done um and it, it's it's sort of i think the key thing here is like that relationship both in terms of like what he learns from his father but also uh, what, what he learns from his father and, and how to be but also in sort of um the what's the way to put this like what what he never wants to have to endure for himself in like financial ruin right um it, it sets him on the path to, to everything that happens in the movie so, yeah and it's kind of yeah go ahead, i'm Rob. actually going to piggyback off this because this is my number five as well Love it, Bob. So, there you go. Uh, so we're on the same page, but, but yeah, I have, I have it at, at number five, and and for a lot of the reasons Matt brought up. I mean, just that um, Leo and Christopher walking together doesn't get much better than that. Um, walking actually won an Academy Award for this, which I didn't know uh, before starting to kind of dig into this. He won for Best Supporting Actor, um, but it is it's it's kind of you know Leo loves his father, but at the same time recognizes that his, you know his father is kind of a sad existence his, his wife leaves him and um you know he's he he doesn't want to ultimately turn into his father right? so he he does choose to um go on the run and and you know become these different people to kind of get away from um you know his his the relationship that he had with his parents um yeah and that that last scene in the, I think it's the last time he sees him when he shows up and Frank senior turns and looks at him and there's no 
joy in seeing him. And it's just kind of just a blank stare. And I think he's just something along, along the lines of like, what are you doing here? Um, I don't know. I just remember that being like really yeah, hard to take, um, especially for someone who clearly like idolized his dad that much. Yeah, this is yeah. a great poll. The movie takes some tough turns like that for sure. But um, it comes back up at the end, you know, like with him getting out of jail, working for the feds, putting the pilot's uniform back on. You throw, in, what, a Tom Hanks, you throw in a Tom Hanks appearance too. and Yeah, Tom, Ra- Tom nobody Hanks hates that. fantastic. In this came up in some, uh, some feedback as a miss on chase scenes because the entire movie is Leo running away. I don't no, agree I, with it because nah. it's, it's over and over and over again, but yeah, I, I actually thought about that when we were doing the chase scenes and thought about making that case. And then it just, it got pushed out because if we're talking about chase scenes, there was, I mean, you know, we'll let the folks at home go back and listen to that. There were so many good movies that we talked about there. Yeah. But this one belongs here. This is a great poll. So that's, that's Rob's, that's Rob's five as well. So Jeff, that just leaves you. Yeah, I'm gonna take us. Uh, I'm gonna take us down to South Beach in the in the mid to late '90s, Kurt. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna talk about a little family called the Goldmans. <laughs> this movie's called The Birdcage. I, I love it. Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, uh, Hank Azaria steals this movie as Agador. Um, so for those of you that haven't seen The Birdcage, I'm not going to do it any disservice by recapping it. If anybody's going to recap it here, it's going to be Kurt. Um, but why I picked this, okay, is for a few reasons. And I struggled with should it be higher or not. So you have, and I guess I'm going to recap it. You have uh, Val, uh, Armand, and, well, I guess not Albert's son, uh, for all intents and purposes, though, it is. Yeah. yeah. Not uh, biologically, but yeah. Right. So Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, we'll just use because they probably trump the characters' names, are uh, a gay couple in South Beach that own the birdcage, right? And Val is Robin Williams' son from a previous fling, probably 20 years ago. Brings his fiance, who it comes from, uh, Gene Hackman, who is a senator, uh, very, very conservative senator down to meet the family. And they know that this isn't going to go well from a, you know, are you going to sign off on the marriage type of thing, which is pretty dated, uh, but, you know, is the trope of the movie. You have a father in Robin Williams who is living kind of his best life with Nathan Lane and Armand, Hank Azaria, down on South Beach, willing to what I can only imagine, because I haven't ever had to, I, I'm not gay and I've never gone through this, but go back into the closet, really make a complete about face of their life, lie about who they are in order to make their son happy, right? And pull off this big lie of a night, which is this dinner with their ultra conservative future in-laws. Uh, ultimately kind of the house of cards comes down, right? And everything falls apart. But the relationship. And that's the whole movie. Yeah. It, I mean, that dinner, it really could have been a play. Like, you know, that dinner takes up what, like a, a solid third of the movie. Um, there's some yeah. lead up to it. But I mean, that's the, 
Yeah. But like, there's this un, undying love from a father to his son where like Nathan Lane, at one, he like, they call in uh, his birth mother and Nathan Lane like is so upset that he leaves and goes to a cemetery, like to be just a little extra dramatic about it. Right. But it, they're kind of pulling it. Like, this is a big deal that you're asking people to do this. Um, they take everything out of the house. Everything out of the house. I mean, even this, except for the bowls, right? <laughs> <laughs> which they quickly have to fill with soup. The wrestlers, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wrestlers. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is ultimate father son, father child. I will do whatever so that you are happy. And it's upsetting um, to him. He says, "Do me a favor, Val. Don't don't talk to me for a little bit." Yeah. Um, no, no doubt, right? Yeah. And then when it kind of comes down, I think Val kind of goes through, he definitely goes through an arc here where in the beginning, he doesn't really think it's that crazy to ask his, his two dads to have to do this. Um, and by the end, he's very proud of who, who he is and where he comes from and who his parents really are, right? Yeah. Um, so you kind of get to see that as well. So the son kind of grows into the role. But the birdcage, to me, I, yeah, I think other than Paul Newman and Brad Pitt, this may have been the movie that we've talked about the most, oddly enough, like on this this podcast overall. Um, it's an interesting yeah. Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, that's four solid number five picks. I mean, I feel like we can talk about it, but I feel like Catching If You Can coming up twice and as solid as that movie is, as much as mm-hmm. I love Warrior and as much as I love The Birdcage, I feel like that's that should probably be the play. I don't know how you guys feel. I agree. I think you can't vote against Leo and Walken. That's a great point. And Hanks. And Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Down, Donnie. And a, a very young uh, Amy Adams, if I'm not. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, who's who's her dad? I can't believe I'm blanking on this name. Martin uh, Sheen. Martin Sheen. There you go. And Spielberg. Yeah. This the, all right. The doctor, so, yeah. right? Yeah, this was a Spielberg. Yeah. I already wrote it down. And we just move on. It is decided. So half a point each for uh yeah, half a point. We're doing it. No, right. no, no, no. <laughs> 0.5. Got to remember, Matt, none of this matters. Yeah. Everything uh, turns yeah. into a competition, though. Oh uh, Jeff's scoreboard begs to differ. <laughs> Matt's keeping his own scoreboard. There's there's skin in the game. Matt's high on paint fumes from a, a day of, of manual labor. So we could yeah. we could probably pull one over on Matt. Yeah. Really I play it. for keeps. I play for wild keeps. <laughs> wild card, bitches. Wild card. I'm going to keep going with uh, a different kind of absent father from what I talked about in Warrior. It is uh, Cooper, played by Matthew McConaughey, and his relationship with uh, his children, Murph and Tom, in Interstellar. Um, wow. I have this number four, too. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Matt, you and I are... It's like we're the just, fourth time that's happened on this. Um, right there, Kurt. I'll, I'll I'll lead with like a couple comments, and then you can you can jump in. Um, Collusion. I, <laughs> <laughs> I saw this I, the year it came out, so like 2014, um, and then I watched it again. And to be fair, like when I saw it the first time, I, I watched it on a plane, and I was like emotionally invested in it. The second time I watched it, not to be the guy of like kids like changed my life, but watching it after like being a father the scenes where he leaves Murph 
and the scene where he's he's yelling through the tesseract to like not like make him stay murph like that and like and watching the video messages of the 23 years that he's gone it wrecked me like i was awful it it was really hard to watch dude did you just rewatch this yeah i cried when hawkeye lost his family in endgame this i was fucking bawling and mcconaughey does great his reaction to the video messages are just are, are you know, I it's it's hard to know like what some of the actual reaction would be, but it feels pretty realistic of like what it would be like I, to miss your your child's entire life. Yeah. So uh, I heard it might have been on Stern or something. He talked about this because they it, there was an interview with him about this exact scene, and he refused to see any of the videos until they shot the scene. So the scene that is in the movie. It's his actual first reaction to seeing those videos. I know he didn't then, rehearse it. Yeah, so, he pushed yeah, he, yeah. he pushed everything back. He didn't want to know anything and just let it rip. Yeah. Gotta it's, love him. It's it's a movie where like if there's so much science in it, it could be if this layer of the movie wasn't in there, it would be it would be entertaining of like, oh, this is an interesting like science, you know, I didn't know this about like black holes or you know, which mm-hmm. is a lot. Um but I mean, the, the it because he has kids, it really adds to the weight and the gravity of like, oh my god, because they have to stay on this planet for four hours or three hours. I think it's every hour on the planet is seven years on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that that in the background of that scene, if you watch it again, there's a tick every 1.25 seconds, which is supposed to represent like one day passing on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now I know you're so, not reading your Black Holes for Dummies book that I got for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. I'm getting to it. I gotta get through this this U.S. Grant. Uh, I didn't know this first. was. I didn't know this was Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This yeah. is Kurt and I keep coming back to talk about Nolan movies for way too long, and all these. And, and Hans Zimmer did the music. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is right there's, up Kurt's alley. There's a weird parallel to the Prestige that I want to talk about now. <laughs> Hold on, I brought no, my Matt. <laughs> well, and Matt, really, do, well, do you have anything else? <laughs> So I, I had some, I'll build on what you were saying. I, I completely agree that the, the sci-fi of it all is, is if you like sci-fi and space movies, it's a lot of fun, obviously. Right. Um, but, but having that through line of really up until that point And even after the thing that's driving Cooper throughout this whole movie is um, saving the planet so that his children and let's all be honest here. Murph is his favorite. So we'll just say Murph. Um, Not has, close. Has a future, right? Like he, 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 the whole dilemma with him is like, he doesn't want to leave his family, but if he doesn't leave his family, his family's going to die, right? So he had to go to save them. Still sort of unclear. Like we, I know that he's a pilot in his past life and now he's not anymore. And why it had to be him versus other people. That's a pretty big jump. We'll, yeah. We'll let that go for now. Um, but there's this, there's this, you know, sort of dynamic between he had to go to save them, but while he's gone, he's trying to work as quickly as possible to get back so he doesn't miss anything. So that's what makes that scene that you just mentioned so important, but also gutting because like he knows at that point that he's missed like not everything, obviously, because she's what, like 30? Um, yeah. I think it's her 30th birthday. Something like that, but um, so he's missed a ton, but it's also really important because now he can focus on the mission just a little bit more. 
because that card's sort of been taken off the table. Yeah. There's also a cool dynamic too where Murph is back on Earth under the careful care of Sir Michael Caine, you know, trying to figure things out on her end and sort of meet him in the middle, right? So like they're both sort of there and the whole dynamic of like him becoming her ghost and that whole thing and her eventually finding peace in that like even when she thought he abandoned him, he was trying to guide her. It's just great. My only uh, my only nitpick is like when he finally sees her in the hospital bed and she's around her family. Like she's kind of just like, "Thanks for stopping by, Dad. You know, I'll see you later." Uh, after all that, I get it. She has her family and she's a different person now. But like, I, I wanted maybe a, like a, just a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I love this. Yeah. Movie. And they frame it as like, no, no parents should have to watch their child die. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's by far like not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, but that's what I wanted to ask you. Where's this, is this on your, on your Rushmore or top three? It's pretty down there. This is like yeah. above insomnia, but, but like, you know, below dark Knight, prestige memento. Like I think this is even tier. below. This is below Inception for me too. Yeah, yeah, but still a good flick. Still a good flick, and it's a, it's a, both of our number fours. So, there we Jeff, go. over to you. Over to me. Okay, two thousand eight, Pierre Morel film, featuring Liam Neeson, Taken One. Um, so Kurt, you just hit on something, which was. And I don't think it needs to be discounted that much, right? Which is, I think, hold on, let me look. As opposed to how you normally discount things Kurt says. Naturally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all these movies were either, they either came out when I was in high school or grade school on my list, right? And I saw them all, eh, probably not the birdcage in 96, but I saw them all pretty young. And when I went back and either, I rewatched some of these this week, not all of them. Um, but when you rewatch these films, any, I think father child film now with kids, it's different. It's really different. And, and I don't, I, I know what you said there. And like, I, I get it too, because it can be pretty annoying to hear that. Like, Oh, you think a puppy's hard? Like, um, <laughs> but it's really different. And so taken, right. Like it's this crazy kind of premise where you're like, you know, I don't have any money, but what I have is a particular set of skills and that whole thing. And, you know, Liam Neeson just being an absolute, you know, savage in this movie, uh, tearing through in Instable, 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 Instable. Uh, so, but now I think about it and I'm like, man, if somebody grabbed my daughter, like out of a parking lot, now I'm not Liam Neeson. I'm just going to preface it with that. Uh, I'm not him as an actor, and I am certainly not Brian Mills in this movie. But I'm doing a lot of really bad things, kind of whatever, whatever it takes to get my daughter back. And that's a pretty far stretch and, and line to draw between like normal everyday life and taken and whatever, however many films came after this. I think it's three. It could be four at this point. Um, but I get it, man. I get it. I'm, I'm doing, I mean, I'm mowing people down with the car. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> and, I'll, yeah. and I'll do you one better. Like, you know, we're on a call 
full of, of girl dads right here. Like you, you watch this movie now and you're like, shit, man, like I need to go take some karate classes and yeah. I need and to. My, and my kid's never going to Europe. That's yeah, what I was going to say, Rob. Like, yeah, you're never going to Europe. <laughs> I need to get some guns. I need to get some contacts in Europe. Like, you know, I need to, I need to call up Liam and, 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 figure out the training. I hope you like the it's weather a, in Philadelphia because you're yeah. not like, yeah, you, you may not it's go not to all South that Philly. much better. <laughs> I mean, it's not all that much better. You want to I mean, go on vacation? Delaware's nice this time of year. Yeah. But call me yeah. every hour. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's not a ton of on-screen time between the two of them. Obviously, they're separated for the majority of the movie. But the feeling that Brian Mills had when I saw this in 2008, you know, and I was like freshman in college, um, I was there for an action movie. Yeah. And when I've seen this in the last three years, I am like, okay, what exactly right? Like what training do I need to take? Charlotte's mm -hmm. never going to be out of my sight. Like it, it's, yeah. I get it. I get his entire motivation. I hear you. The man. movie. Yeah. The I movie mean, that did this better to me. It, I love taken. Um, and in this movie's not going to fall in the category because it's not actually his daughter, but man on fire does the same thing of like yeah. really, really showing you like what this girl meant to him and like, Oh, like he's going to burn the world to the ground now because mm -hmm. this happened taken, like they don't rush it, but like they, they do at least attempt to show you like some him making some kind of a connection with her. Lovely um, bones is a similar kind of thing. Before this kind of, Ooh. kind of different and also just terrifying and horrible. Yeah, that's that's never a rewatch for me. Those are the movies like the. I'm glad you brought this up, and I don't think this is too much of a tangent because this is basically a dad pod. But like, the horror movies are the movies to me that I'm just ruined now. Like it, being being a, a dad and a, a husband. Like, Lauren wanted to watch Strangers the other night. I'm like, no, this is just you know, I live with this fear of people trying to get into my house and kill my family every day. So we're just not gonna put ourselves through that ever like yeah yeah you, you watched frozen again didn't you <laughs> no nah, we we threw on blue guys thanks to jeff's recommendation yeah blue onward. guys my wife was very impressed that jeff pulled onward for for a sibling relationship that's yeah it's a good one god i gotta stop inflating jeff's ego he's yeah all right it's a good one and it won me points so mm -hmm. not that we're counting you, you look like crap tonight jeff thank you i comb my <laughs> hair for this and everything Gotta, I don't want you to leave. I got to keep you on. Uh, I can't wait till we do our first video pod and people are like, oh my God, he's bald. <laughs> well, well, I mean, when you figure out how to, you know, like Charlotte said, take the hair from your face and put it on your head, you'll be back. <laughs> the upside down willy willy. That's right. All right, Rob, let's round out. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm going to lighten, lighten this up a little bit here. So uh, all good recommendations pretty dark though i mean heavy stuff um i went um a little lighter 2000 it's a comedy it's not a not a biological relationship but it's uh meet the parents with robert de niro and ben stiller um it's the um the father the son-in-law father-in-law relationship and um you know, it was it was something that came to mind because of the dynamic between the two of them. I mean, De Niro is the ass kicking Jack Burns, who um, nobody's good enough for his daughter, and um, 
then Ben Stiller walks in, who's kind of you know goofy by nature, and and you know his, his name's Fokker, Gaylord Gaylord Fokker. So, um, you know, I think watching the the interplay between them, you know, initially when he first meet first meets him, you know, he gives him a lie detector test, all of that, and then, you know. As the movie goes on, he does start to, well, really towards the end, he starts to realize that, okay, this guy actually does care about my daughter. He, um, you know, they, they love each other and, and he means well, despite the fact that he's, he's kind of goofy and, and he's a male nurse. Um, you know, he's, he's not Owen Wilson, who was, who was Pam's ex-boyfriend, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, okay. what's that? Tough hang Owen Wilson in this film. Yeah, yeah, but but just the just the dynamic between the two of them. He doesn't like him initially, and then he grows to kind of love him and 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 bring him in close. Yeah, I think because of the relationship with with his daughter, I would argue that. Yeah, yeah, like the you could have easily just said like, uh, you know, De Niro and what's what's the daughter's name? You just Pam. Said, Pam. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. Again, like I, I get that overprotective side of her, it. Her obliviousness, to a degree, is kind of like annoying in this movie. Like she, Ben Stiller she, is annoying as shit in this movie, but it still works. Like there's a lot of annoying in this movie. I just figured this was loosely based off Rob's life, which is why I brought it up. <laughs> this is a good pick, Rob. I, I like this one. I don't have any father-in-law uh, picks here. But I think that's that's a nice sort of um, that's a nice sort of loophole in the thing. I, I'll I'll definitely allow it. I think it definitely plays. Um, oh yeah. But this is this is a solid pick because the whole movie is about De Niro and Stiller's relationship and just the the chaos that ensues as Ben Stiller's trying to prove himself awkwardly throughout the whole movie. So I like this was one. this was interesting too because this was like I think De Niro had only done analyze this as like the only like unless you count raging bull as a comedy which it's, it's not um so i think there was still that novelty of like oh my god like de niro's doing comedy and like oh the, the guy from taxi driver is gonna like you know be the father-in-law of of you know of ben stiller and i think like he's done so many comedies now that i think like going back to this has almost like less you forget like what the impact yeah. was of like the first time you saw that uh, for me, anyway, I don't know. I, he he went on this weird like I'm going to do a lot of comedies now. Um, it was kind of the start of that next chapter, right? Like yeah, of, of everything, and he does it really well. Like he's a great. He's perfect for it. He was funny, like the, he funny, was like the scary father-in-law. Though. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, a great yeah. funny, but not trying yeah. to be funny yeah. like actor. Yeah, and yeah. Perfect. This movie, would, this whole I would be terrified to have him as a father-in-law. It's great. But like this whole, everything was pretty well cast on this. Even like Dustin Hoffman as his real dad is perfect, yeah, that was right? Fantastic, right. Ernie Fokker. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Bar- Barbara Streisand as his as his mother. Yeah, yeah. This was Jay Roach coming off of like the Austin Powers movies, and yeah, he's son director. It's am I pick. am I alone in in like I I I love this movie Ben Stiller's a very talented actor. He's great. You don't like movie. Ben Stiller. I, I don't like the whiny in insecure guy that he like this I, Walter Mitty. I like him so much more in the ridiculous, like 
White Tropic Goodman Thunder. and Tropic Thunder and Dodgeball. Or, I like um, Dodgeball. Not, um, I already said Dodgeball. What's the other one? Um, Happy Gilmore. Like, I just, I, I don't know. His sort yeah. of just like, it just bothers me. I don't me. know. I, I agree. I, I agree with the sentiment that like Ben Stiller kind of annoys me. But, but he I annoys like me he across annoys me. the board. Like, I like to not like him in these movies, right? I want to caveat that with the fact that, like, in the last five or so years, I've started to enjoy Ben Stiller, and I don't know why. But, like, I used to think he was really annoying. But, like, I didn't really, I didn't see a difference between Tropic Thunder, Ben Stiller, and, like, Along Came Polly. Like, they were both kind of annoying to me now. But well, now, looking this, back, like, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older and I'm appreciating him. Yeah, it's the same reason I don't like like the Elijah Wood character in Green Street Hooligans. Like, just the yeah, it's too too squeaky. Yeah, I mean, if I have to pick one Stiller, it's going to be Jerry. No question. I mean, Zoolander, Sorry, no. Zoolander Stiller is. Yeah. I, I don't know, it, Maddie. That's like more of the, the what you like. Yeah, I like, think I, I think I go Zoolander Stiller, Zoolander or uh, or White Goodman. Yeah. Well, this is well, a good pick, Rob. Yeah, Lesson number four is so interstellar, interstellar, taken and meet the parents. Um, I mean, the same logic as, as number five. Major- like majority rule. Yeah. 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 Another let's, half point from that. Let's hold on to uh, Bobby Fokker for, uh, for the wild card spot. That, that no taken, love. Uh, that's a good I one. Guess I, taken could be. Yeah. Taken's on my honorable mentions. Yeah. It was in it could have easily been in here. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't in my top five. And my number three, uh, I don't know if you ever find out his name in the movie or not, but it's uh, it's the old man and Ralphie from The Christmas Story. Um, my family watched this movie every Christmas, really the whole month of December um, leading up to Christmas. So when TNT started running at 24 hours, on Christmas Eve, it was like heaven to us. Um, I could probably recite this movie from beginning to end. And there's so much that I think is really funny and is it's like very true to, to growing up. Um, I, I think growing up in the Midwest, but I think just growing up in general, um, you know, the, the dynamic of, you know, wait until your father gets home. Um, yeah, and so like, you know, the, the scene where he goes out and it helps him change the tire and you know, drops the F-bomb, um, which he clearly heard from his dad, which is another, you know, yeah. my dad never cursed really growing up, but I mean, there's, I know a lot of dads growing up that, that definitely did and sons who picked up exact phrases that were clearly from, from the father. And like, if you watch that, if you watch it as much as I watch it, if watched it, you know, before he gets back in the car, like he kind of laughs a little bit, like mm-hmm. at his son saying it, which is also like, now that you're a dad, it's like, you know, your kid says something, you're like, no, 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 don't say that. And then like, you have to really fight so, you know, mm. Rob, you, you talked about like, you know, they'll say stuff to our wives and you're like, oh, you know, don't. Right. It's not, settle, you can't settle laugh. down. You, or can't like, laugh, yeah. <laughs> you can't laugh. But it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, his dad's also kind of like the one who's, who's fighting for him. He's the one who gets in the BB gun in the end. Um, it, it, Darren McGavin, all time dad performance. I mean, number two would probably be his, the dad and Billy Madison. Um, but I feel shame that I've never seen this. 
You've never it's seen this? Being it's, totally it's honest, a, I've never seen it. It's on it's every movie, you know, it's on during yeah. the holidays. I've just never sat down and watched I, I it. I think it's only um, I, like it's funny. I never would have seen it either if it wasn't such a big uh thing with my with Lauren and her family. Okay. I feel like um, it's an unavoidable thing. Like it's like never seen I mean. a stop sign. Like how do you how do you not see it? We never watch I never watched this movie growing up. And and like the we dad's watch it, hysterical. We that's, watch it every Christmas now. Yeah. But he finds a way to curse without cursing for because it's a PG movie, but like when he's fighting the furnace and you know, or or yelling at the bumpus dogs, like it's yeah, the, the dad is what makes this a rewatchable movie for me, especially the relationship with between the old man and and Ralphie. Um so that's it. That's I, yeah. I love the scene in this where he's like imagining what it would be like to come home to his parents uh older and, and blind after soap poisoning. <laughs> yeah. But, but like the, the, the whole... same age and his dad's like what is what have we done to land you in this lowly state but me yeah maybe that was just me but like i i definitely you know when y'all get sent to my room i you'd have those fantasies of like oh like they'll be sorry if like something happens to me one day or like yeah like it hit that that nerve perfectly that's so. where the that's where the whole like i'm gonna run away fantasy it's not because yeah. you want to yeah. get away it's like i'm gonna run away and they're gonna be For so sure sorry yeah yeah exactly. You get a house away and you're like, ah, crap. I need food. <laughs> and pack yeah. any underwear. <laughs> so that is, uh, that's my number three. Matt, is it, was it also your number three or are we, are we diverging here? Okay. No, no, no. I'm going to zag a little bit. Um, right. So you guys gave me the opportunity and I'm, I'm going to take it. Uh, my number three is Logan. Um, dun, dun, dun. Had to get a Marvel one in here. Um, so what's that? So a couple of things. Um, just going to call a spade a spade here. Logan's not a good dad. Not even a little bit. Um, not the most no. nurturing dad at all. No. Doesn't even fully accept that Laura or X-23 is his daughter until like maybe the second half or the last third of the movie. Um, yeah. But he's still protects her right that's kind of always been wolverine's mo right um and i think the reason i like this is because um to stop myself from nerding out too much on you guys um it's a completely different look at the wolverine we've seen everywhere else before right and i think it's a very purposeful choice to simultaneously show Wolverine vulnerable for really the first time ever. Like, yeah, you could say that he was emotionally vulnerable with Jean Grey in like the first couple X-Men movies, right? You could say that he was physically vulnerable every time he went up against Magneto, but he healed all those times. He's, he's visibly vulnerable, both physically and emotionally in this movie, simultaneously while, while coming to grips with his sort of arc as, as a, maybe arcs too strong, but sort of his journey as a, a father in this and recognizing that this, this kid has, you know, is, is by all uh, definitions his, his daughter. Um, and despite his, his sort of default mode of pushing people away that he potentially could care about out of fear of them getting hurt because everybody he's ever loved has ever died he kind of comes around and finds it in himself to 
not only protect this this kid, but but help her and her friends sort of to to safety. Um, and and by the end of it, like you actually see, like when he's spoilers, they're you know dying on the stump. Like he cares, she cares. Like you know, it's 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 very clearly a recognizable father daughter thing. Um, so I, I just, I had to include this in here. I, I, I loved sort of the different take on, on Logan and Wolverine that this gives us. Um, and I, I thought it was just a really great um, sort of ending to Hugh Jackman's run as Wolverine and just the, the Johnny Cash throughout's just kind of a nice touch too. Yeah. I'm glad they got a chance to make this um, yeah. just because, you know, the studio seems so, protective of the ip and of, you know making an r-rated movie with with that character which i think like if it if it hadn't been very well known that like this was jackman's last turn at the role they maybe wouldn't have done it because they i don't know maybe you damaged the brand by it might not have hit as well either good, you know yeah. everybody knew going into this that this was this was it right yeah um but james mangold is a really good director um clearly like he wanted to make this kind of a movie and it only works as an R-rated movie with, with yeah. the kind of the themes that they were doing. Yeah. It's a great pick. Um, and my, my also, favorite X-Men movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, definitely. It's also just awesome seeing him and X-23 fight on the same team against other people. Like she is a little savage. She kicks ass. And like, you know, this isn't the Wolverine that we're used to in, in previous movies, but just, just watching them to team up against, you know, the the baddies is is pretty sweet. That's what bedtime yeah. looks like at my house. <laughs> <laughs> and your Patrick Stewart just whacked out on meds, <laughs> just rolling around in a wheelchair, hoping it all ends soon. Yeah, bald. Yeah, yeah just, you got just, the just making the bar. Yeah, yeah. Just, just just riding his bike around the kitchen. <laughs> hmm. I, I haven't seen Logan. I it is. It, I'm making a list as we go along. By the way, of, of anything I haven't seen, but but I am. Bob, you'd like of, Logan. I'm a huge fan of of the Hugh Jackman, uh, uh, Wolverine. You know everything he's in. He's yeah. Man. He's he's one of those guys. I mean, you hear a lot about like um, Downey as Iron Man. Um, you know, Momoa as Aquaman. Uh, Hemsworth as Thor. Like he he's just a, a perfect cast as Wolverine. I was excited when there were rumors of Tom Hardy potentially being the next Wolverine. That didn't come to pass, unfortunately. Now we have this weird Tom Hardy Venom thing that's just out there. But um, I think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is is definitely one of the one of the good ones. Yeah, that's a good <clears throat> a good swan song. That's very worthy of number three. All right, Jeff, over to you. To bring Rob Robin Williams back into the fold, uh, this time. Don't give us an excuse to talk about Robin Williams. We're going to take it, folks. We're going to take this, it. I know. This time is Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, this movie needs no recapping. Now, is that father child or is that mother child? Would it? Well, it would be nanny child. I nanny think child. on the other side of that. Uh, no, it's very much father children. Uh, in this young, early Pierce Brosnan in this uh, We love to well. hate on Pierce Brosnan in this podcast. As much as we love Robin Williams, we love to talk shit on Pierce Brosnan. I like Pierce. I mean, he's uh, very hateable. He's very hateable in this movie, but um, 
this this was like actually one of his first kind of like real movies that he did. Not that Mrs. Doubtfire is a uh, you know cinematic masterpiece, but um, it was, he was huge. Doing, yeah, yeah. But he was doing a lot of like made-for-TV and TV shows over in the UK and stuff like that uh, way before Bond and Robert Crown and all that other stuff. So, um, but you know, uh, a dad whose marriage falls apart, uh, some somewhat of his own doing, uh, doesn't really have his life together, so therefore loses the kids and goes to every length possible, uh, including uh, becoming a woman uh, and their babysitter just to spend time with them uh, and just to be around them and ultimately finds his calling, which is uh, to kind of, revive that character and television show for a long career, probably after the movie. Um, but you know, he, he does everything possible to just be around his kids, right? He loses full custody his partial custody. I think at one point, then they take that away. Um, Pierce is a huge dick, uh, not helping that situation at all. Uh, there's a great kind of constant tangle between the two of them. Um, and, you know, the kids eventually figure it out uh, and want to be with their dad. Uh, the son has a little bit of a problem with it early on because uh, it's not macho man dad that he's used to. Um, you know, I think he's like, hey, you dressed up as a girl. What are you doing? And uh, he gets oh, all freaked tough, out. Tough 90s look there. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's nothing but love. It's nothing but love between Robin and the kids. And yeah, and I, I'll watch this movie every time it's on. I mean, it's yeah. comedic gold. Um, apparently, I was, I was digging into this a little bit. So Chris Columbo, or Chris Columbo, Chris Columbus is the director here. Uh, interesting, he didn't go by Christopher. But uh, he made a deal with Robin Williams that he had to shoot the first scene, the first take. So he's like, look, the first take, you have to do it on the script. After that, whatever you want. 90% of this movie is Robin Williams improving. Like really? there's little to no script that made it on screen. I guess I don't know why I'm surprised at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had this in my honorable mentions. I, I, I had it at number two for a while and then ended up pulling it in favor of my number two that we'll get into. But I just to double check myself before this, I was watching the scene when he goes to his brother and he goes, make me a woman. <laughs> <laughs> he's so happy yeah and yeah just i yeah. i can only imagine since you brought that up that like that whole part had to have just been robin williams doing this thing like oh like, when, they're, when they're trying out all the different they're trying yeah. out all the different things yeah. and he's just like taking inspiration from the matchmaker matchmaker yeah. <laughs> match. clearly barbara streisand yeah, <laughs> yeah. harvey yeah. thurston in that he's great frank well, and yeah. it's funny too because we were watching uh, with the kids this morning. We were watching Aladdin, and have seen him in that. It's just, yeah, I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. Robin Williams, not Harvey Firestein, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, they, no, the, no, the no. daughter asks, "Like, who did this to you? Your, uh, your, your uncle, uncle Frank, <laughs> your uncle Frank, and Aunt, and Aunt Jack." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. And the way they just go right into obviously it's a movie that was scripted, but like, yeah. When the, Matchmaker, matchmaker. Yeah. Uh, the, the part of this that I, I that just came up that I want to draw a parallel to, and it's, it's, it has to do not with the, the father and the children, but it Sally Field had like a tough 
ask in this because she has to be like a huge wet blanket, but you still yeah. have to like not absolutely hate her. And it kind of goes back yeah. to like, because in the movie, you're like, why can't you just like forgive him or why can't you just look past him? Kind of like how, what I was saying in, in Warrior where like, mm. you know, he's trying to win his kids back and they're just like, won't let him in. And you're like, God, can you guys just like forgive him? And it's like, but you have to remember like there's all this like runway of like all the stuff that they've done that you haven't seen. Yeah. Oh my God. Like right. even the but, stuff we have seen. Could you imagine? I could tell you if 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 you threw his Lauren a, a petting zoo party and I had a party and I was dancing a house of pain on the kitchen table with Max, I'd be out. There'd be no. I'd be. I Kurt. I need a place to stay tonight. I'll find a hotel in the morning. I just need you to put me up. Sorry, Katie. Like it's. It, this is one of those not to not to harp on this, but like one of those where you see it beforehand and you're like, oh yeah, Sally Field sucks. And then you see it as, as a, not even a father, as a husband. And you're just like, oh yeah, no, this would happen to me. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's amazing. She's stuck around this long. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to hear you explain to Kurt why you needed to crash at his house for the night. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good with a different reason. That's, that's why yeah. I'm going to Kurt instead of either of you. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah, Rob, <laughs> <are the ones, laughs> Rob and I are the ones that show up at the petting zoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be right pond. You're more of a pond guy. Pool yeah. pond. Yeah. 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 Pond's fine. It's a solid, uh, it's a solid number three, Jeff. Rob, let's, let's yeah, round well this done. out. Sure. Uh so number three, I, I went back to I, I feel like we're we're stuck in the 90s. Uh 1999. Um a comedy, American Pie, dynamic between Jason Biggs and oh, Eugene Levy. What a great call. Um, and I, I think it was just it is a great call. When, when, when looking at, you know, we were all probably in the prime of our adolescence, 11, 12, 13 years old, and this movie came out, and it was just, you know, it was guys being dudes. And um, I think it was what I thought high school and college were going to be. And, you know, it was, um, you know, four friends and, and, and then, you know, obviously Eugene Levy's uh, an essential part of the whole film because it's, it's, you know, he's it, a la Andy Paul, he's watching his son grow up and become a man. And, you know, he just keep wants, real, to, get keep out, real, wants homies. him to get out there and play the field. So um, I, I just thought that the, the interplay between the two, um, I feel like they could be father and son in real life. Like that, that is, yeah. 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 Well, and yeah. after watching Shit's Creek, too, like I was, that's I was just, just going to bring that up. It's yeah. just yeah. Eugene Levy. Like he's just like on the Ru Mount Rushmore of movie and TV dads. Yeah. He's so great. This yeah, is yeah. a great awesome. call. I, mean, I, didn't I think, even, I think I didn't it was right place, right? One. I think it was right place, right time. Like late 90s, like we were, you know, again, in our adolescent stages, and it, it was just like, the best it was yeah uh, that kind of like kick-started the whole like the resurgence in like the the high school r-rated comedy i feel like which was coming right in, in line with like us starting to get to a point where like yeah. you it, could was, you could get into an r-rated movie like if, i mean it wasn't like that strict the team like, oh, comedy is your parent yeah. with you like yeah like you this get is, it i think there were a couple done before this was varsity like, blues was this, before this right varsity yeah. blues was before this right no this I, is, uh this is same here. one of the better ones that was done. Um, the other thing about this dynamic is like, same uh, here. I don't know about you guys, but like I didn't have that open of a 
and somewhat uncomfortable in this movie conversation <laughs> so, with my father somewhat? about any type of uh, sexual education, right? And like you're watching that, you it's so cringy. Um, but all, you, you know, all he wants is like get out there, like oh okay, oh yeah, I didn't have that at all. Yeah, and it just they up the ante throughout the whole series, like the opening scene of the, I think it's the second one where he walks into the college dorm and he's Jim's in bed with a, a, a girl in college and his whole family walks in and her parents Sits walk down. in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a perfectly natural and normal thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting look at like back at the cast of like, you know, peak of Tara Reed, peak of Chris Klein. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that the kid from rookie of the year did anything really like after this other than, say, other than the him? sequels sean william scott probably and jason biggs probably had the biggest careers shannon after this was a bit too this was the yeah. introduction of shannon, shannon Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Uh, i know Mina, you're a big uh, yeah. i know you're a big bulletproof monk guy <laughs> you're right Chow Yard, fat and uh yeah kurt everyone <laughs> you just named this was basically their biggest role like they it have was, not done anything since yeah, I think the, actually the the guy from uh, Harold and Kumar. I think John Chow is, is John Chow is in this. He yeah. ended up in, like a, a throwaway. He's, he's a Stifler's mom guy. He's the guy. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, great great snapshot of nineteen ninety nine, um, and that rounds out our number three round. So we have Christmas Story, Logan, Mrs. Doubtfire, and American Pie. Uh, I kind of want to give mean, this one to Bob just because he totally like pulled this one out of nowhere. Um, but Mrs. Doubtfire can't be ignored. Yeah, I'm, I'm really between I'm, those two. I'm stuck between the two of them. Jeffrey, where your, where's your head at? I mean, you put up Mrs. Doubtfire. So. I think we got to yeah, go I'm Mrs. Bit, Doubtfire. I'm a little biased. Let's go yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire and 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 keep uh, keep American Pie. That's strong running for for number six. Yeah, yeah for the wild card spot. Okay, I'm gonna asterisk that. Uh, so Bob uh, put us in the 90s. I'm going to take us a couple years forward. And my number two is Road to Perdition. Um, yes. Jeff, I think that we should have some kind of a uh, some kind of a clip of the, the Seinfeld, the hello, Newman, for inevitably whenever we get to talking about Paul Newman. We and need to start my introducing number, this is my number one, Kurt. So. It is? All right. Yeah. We need um, to introduce some clips, Kurt. I agree. So we'll just use all that. Ad yeah, Bob, feel, have. feel free. Was it on anybody else's list or, or is it just me and Bob? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Bob, jump in. Like, no, uh, no, yeah, but take it away. But yeah, this is right. my number one. So. All right. So, so three, three father son relationships in this. There's, there's Michael played by Tom Hanks and Michael Jr. Um, and then there's John Rooney played by Paul Newman and Connor played by Daniel Craig. And then there's a surrogate father son relationship between Paul Newman and, and Tom Hanks. You've been reading and my notes, Curdy. It's, it's really like, and, and the whole movie is, is you use those Jason Bourne skills to hack into your computer. Yeah. Collusion. It's true. Um, the whole movie is, is almost every scene is an exploration of one of those three dynamics. Um, and there's there's shades of like other movies in this. I mean, I, I think the predominant theme in the the Michael and Michael Jr. theme is the, the the same thing. It's in The Godfather of 
a father who's not a good man, but wants his son to be better. And his biggest fear is that his son will be like him, which is why there's, there's so much catharsis in that final scene where like his, he dies in relief that his son couldn't do, uh, you know, couldn't pull the trigger in a situation where he really would have been justified in pulling the trigger and he still couldn't do it. Um, and, and I think that, that, Paul Newman and Daniel Craig relationship, you know, the, the Rooney and, and Connor is also like a, a very common theme of a, a father son relationship where the son just like keeps screwing up and the father knows that he's, he's not good, and, but he still just can't bring himself to go against him or to really reprimand him. I mean, the scene after Connor, you know, where, where Rooney finds out that Connor has killed uh, Sullivan's wife and son, you know, he starts hitting him and then he just, you know, starts hugging him instead. And at that moment, you're like, all right, well, this guy's just like, he's never going to give up his son. Um, I thought the whole thing was really well acted. I mean, he says, Tom Hanks, what do you expect me to do? You know, he's my son. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that scene in the basement of the church of, you know, the, the, I, my favorite line in the whole movie might be the, the Newman line of there are only murderers in this room. Um, you know, we're all insinuating, you know, we're all, we're all really bad men. Um, you know, as, as much as I love this movie, I don't want to throw shade on it, but I did want to talk to you guys about, I, I watched it again, like in its entirety. I don't think that Hanks, it, it wasn't a good role for Hanks. I don't believe mm. the, the gruffness and like the, you know, the, the weight of what he's supposed to bring. I think there's too much baggage from other roles of him. I mean, every time he starts yelling, like when, when they're in the cornfield and he yells at, at Michael Jr., you know, you know, you have to listen to me now. Um, you know, I hear, I hear Woody or I hear like him yelling yeah. from Turner and Hooch and that's not his yeah. fault. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but I feel like it was miscast. So what I wanted to do is I, I have a list of names I want to throw out to you guys. Like, do you think the role would have been better with? So just, well, do you yeah, think, let me just ask you before you do that. Do you think that he was, because I agree with you, do you think that he was casted in this role because they kind of sat back and said, like, who can we have, like, mirror these giants? And and at the time, yeah. Hanks was, well, and still, a giant. But, like, the wrong giant. Yeah. Like, do you I think, think they were just kind of like, uh, we need somebody else of this kind of weight and caliber, so let's pull, pull Hanks. I, I remember when this movie came out, it was a lot of hype because it was like Hanks is going to put on a black hat and it was, it was built that way. And it didn't really turn out that way. He's not, it, this isn't like Denzel in training day. Like there is, there are redeemable qualities in, in the Michael Sullivan character. So like, yeah, like, you know, Hanks is not playing like, a, you know, the all American guy in Forrest Gump, but he's also not like, you know, it's not Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List. He's not a monster, you know? Um, so, and I think that that maybe that that's what they wanted, that they wanted someone with a bit of humanity in him. But I didn't believe... So, like, at the, one of the first names I had was, like, Michael Shannon in this role. Like, I think that's that's kind of more, like, from an actor perspective, that's, that's somebody that I could have seen, like, doing this a little better. Um, the other one I thought, like, what, what if you recast does Daniel Craig in the Tom Hanks role, mm. does that work? 
Because I think it might. He's not old enough, but... And yeah. my response to that is, I think in looking at what Hanks was supposed to be, which is sort of the the soft-spoken you know, body man for Newman. And he was, he did the dirty work and, and he wasn't supposed to be, you know, loud and aggressive. He was kind of the quiet, take care of business fixer guy. So I think when you talk about him, you know, yelling at his son, raising his voice, that's not Hanks, but that's also not who Mike Sullivan was supposed to be. I, I think Connor was that's much a good more point. of, Connor was much more of the, you know, um, you don't know your thumb from your dick. <laughs> right, but 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 doing things without thinking them through. I mean, he, he murdering Hanks's family is kind of the case in point of Connor's a loose cannon, and and you know his father's always cleaning up his mess. So I don't. Yeah. And and Daniel Craig was great in that role. I I don't see him, and maybe because of the character he played, but I don't see him being a more soft spoken. I think he could be sort of a a, a square jawed, quiet type. You know, he's got the eyes. He can um, say a lot without, you know, without saying anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I think Hanks and even just physically Hanks, you know, he put on some weight. He, he had the, you know, I he, noticed he that this time through scruffy, um, you know, kind of a scruffy beard. And um, yeah, he, he looks like a 1930s Irish mobster in a, in a black. Yeah. French coat. And I will um, say uh, to, to Hanks's credit the stuff that he does do well and maybe those other guys couldn't have done is, is the moments of levity where he's teaching his son to drive stick because he has to drive the getaway car for the bank heist or like during the bank heist, like his son's driving like two miles an hour as they're trying to like get away from the bank yeah. and says like, there's no rush. Um, which by the way, like squeezing in a, 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 a scene of teaching your, your son or teaching father, teaching a child to drive stick um, is is really well done. I think that that's a, as automatic transmissions have, have predominantly taken over, I think that's an aspect of parenting that, that is totally lost. Uh, I learned on a stick and it's, it's not easy. And I stalled it more than once and it's frustrating. And I don't know, I, I, I'm a sucker for that kind of a scene. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Hanks is really good in, in, in that kind of a role. Um, I love this movie. Yeah, and I think everything that you said too about the dynamic between Newman and and Daniel Craig and and Newman and Tom Hanks. I mean, Tom Hanks is the son Newman wish he had. Um, yeah, but he's he's obviously got got uh, Daniel Craig. So yeah. One one more question: Do you think there's a scene at the party early on uh, when John Rooney, Paul Newman, is is playing the piano, and Hank sits down next to him? And starts also playing the piano. Do you think they had any trepidation about like Hanks wading back into the water of of a dual <laughs> piano playing scene? <laughs> what if we make the piano on the floor? Back to big. <laughs> Quick shot to FAO shorts. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh Bob, this is a great. This was your one. This was my one, yeah. And just great because thing. of the different relationships, you know, the different father son. Yeah. Yeah, not not because right. I think it's the best movie or the best gangster movie ever. It's it's not by a long shot, but the whole movie is about this I, dynamic. I, I, I think the Bob. Irish. What's that? It's your list, Bob. Doesn't 
none none of us are uh, film experts here. I think I love the Irish mob too. I think that whole like like that was my grandfather, my great grandfather is is really like why I um, feel attached to the movie. Yeah, all the more reason. All right, well that's that's my two. That's Rob's one. So Matt, what's uh, your dose? I'm going to keep the Robin Williams love fest going. Oh, what's left? Oh, no. You are the pan. It's got to be Hook. It's not by Centennial Man? Okay. I thought this was going to go real dark. (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? I I know I'm not spoiling anything, but an honorable mention, I had uh, World's Greatest Dad, which is one of the darkest movies I think I've ever seen. Bobcat. Yeah, it's dark. Never no, again. I'm, I'm going hook here. <laughs> yeah, let's go hook. back to Peter Pan, please. Hook is yes. much more conducive. To, yeah. Much more our speed. Um, this is just like a childhood favorite movie for me. I love this movie. Um, it's got elements of a few movies we've talked about. Um, obviously, Taken, like, uh, you know, Hook takes Peter Pan's kids, and he's got a not only try to go back and get them, but like remember that he was once Peter Pan, right? Um, the whole movie is really about uh, Peter Banning's arc of like realizing what a dick he is and kind of getting re- getting back in touch with his literal like inner child to, to connect with his kids, but also rescue his kids and, and reclaim his powers that he, he does, you know, through connecting back with the lost boys and tinkerbell and and all that so i think i think that's that's kind of a cool metaphor for like the the process that all dads and parents go through of like when you have kids you kind of like you know have to learn how to be a a kid with them in some aspects again right um but also have this weird line of like not uh still being the dad obviously um didn't have to go too far yeah exactly um so I think I think that's a cool aspect to this, um, and and he ultimately does it. Like he he rescues his kids. He he helps Jack, you know. Remember remember home. You know his daughter never really lost anything, so that that was a bit easier. But it's uh, it's just a great sort of like, you know, dad trying to rescue his kids movie, but also um, fixing a lot of his hangups too, which is great. And it's set in the backdrop of Peter Pan and Captain Hook, which I think we can all get behind, especially with Dustin Hoffman as Captain Hook. Um, yeah. I just, I um, love this movie. This is a fantastic movie. I mean, I, my daughter's currently obsessed with, well, last year we've been stuck inside, so we've gone deep into the Disney catalog, but <laughs> obsessed with Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. And I'm like debating whether or not this is appropriate to show. I still don't think it is. She's only three. I was going to say, at what, at what point is it? I had the same thought, not, Jeff. And, not scary, but is it Jeff, appropriate for? Yeah, Ellie and Charlotte are about the same age. I had the same thought, Jeff, and I, I think I think we're about a year away, a year or two away from it. Nah, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I'll let dies. you know. Yeah. yeah, let me know how it goes. I mean, Rufio hey, this is coming from the guy who uh, accidentally watched it, let Ellie watch Jaws. So, what the hell do I know? We've spent a lot of time in the 90s tonight, by the way. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, 90s, really not great dad vibes. There were a lot of, like, 
a lot of I, I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking 80s more but like a lot of like angry dad vibes in in the night in the late 1900s 1900s <laughs> he's not wrong uh I'm not wrong. yeah with with hook i don't know like i i watched i watched it again like not recently for this but i think i had it built up too much in my head about like how much i loved it growing up um i didn't think i mean as far as spielberg movies i don't put it that high up there's something about the production value of it that just doesn't it looks like it. You know, it it's looks on like a, a shot on a sound. It's on yeah. a sound stage. You know, very you know the whole time that it's yeah. Well, um, I but I do love. I do love Hoffman, and and especially Bob Hoskins, like their oh, whole interplay. Yeah, he's um, fantastic. Yeah, and Williams is obviously great. Um, yeah, he's the, the yeah the yeah for for kids. I mean, I'm hesitant to show Finley because like she's pretty sensitive, and like Rufio getting it is stuck with me that um, and the alligator was kind of what gave me pause the beginning scene to like one of the beginning scenes when he goes into the bedroom it's a kind of like a creepy vibe mm-hmm. um it was a great idea for a story and it's like a really i'm surprised really, that they haven't like picked it back up again i really like what they did with the whole peter pan thing um in this yeah can we talk about how like maggie smith's kind of aging backwards and everything she does too like she looks way older in this than she does in. Oh, I think she's always looked like she's in Downton. Like, in I don't Magotic. think she's ever looked any different than. <laughs> she's definitely. You're right, looks, man. I mean, this was this was like '94. She definitely looks younger as McGonagall in the Harry Potter movies than she does here. Well, you could also say, uh, can we talk about how Julia Roberts hasn't aged a damn day? That's a great point too. My goodness. A lot of lot of self restraint from uh, Robin Williams to to not just stay in Neverland with with Julia. Yeah, I would have like no, I got to get back to my my lawyer job. <laughs> Bob, you wanna, do you want to break down the uh, the ins and outs of of that deal at the beginning that fell through? <laughs> I don't yeah. honestly remember. I haven't watched <laughs> it's 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 such 15, 20 buzzwords. Years? It's it's you such know. buzzwords of uh, yeah. Give me give me the final I mean, briefing on yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I, I, I get I mean, your him, point on the production value. It's also like, like peak nineties. Last, like the Lost Boys have this like skateboard ramp that they're cruising around on. Yeah. Skateboard ramp slash like windsurfing thing. Like, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a it's a real nineties vibe, and uh, I think that's kind of what helps out the. the well, it was before, it was before there was any animation too. Like yeah. now, now everything is spliced. You know, it's, it's be all live CGI. action, and yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And yeah. and they had to do it yeah. was on a sound stage because that's how they had to do it. Right. That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good number two, Matt. Jeff, you got to follow that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I've had a bit of a crisis here for the last five minutes. Um, the two slot here was like two movies head to head and i put one as like my six that what i was going to fight for and i just switched them back so my one, two now i'm in two slot on these were tough my two now is a 2002 film denzel washington john q uh which i saw in theaters uh, and it was intense. Um, and you know, the plot behind this is that 
uh, Denzel's son, I think in a baseball game, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this, which, which is why I originally had it out. Um, like drops during a baseball game, goes into heart failure. Take him to the hospital. He needs a transplant. It's the only way he's going to live. And uh, Denzel's insurance isn't going to cover it. Can't get him on a transplant list. So Denzel goes into fight or flight, uh, strictly fight, and ends up taking the ER hostage uh, so that he can get his son a heart. Uh, and actually takes it to the furthest extent where up in spoilers up until the last minute, he is going to kill himself on the table uh, and give his son his heart because he's a match. Uh, ultimately doesn't have to do it because from the opening scenes, a heart ends up getting flown in. Everything kind of works out. I mean, Denzel still goes to jail, but the, you know, similar, not similar to Taken, but similar to I'm going to do whatever it takes so that my kids, it's kind of similar to Interstellar, right? Like I'm going to go do this as fast as I can. So my kids can, you know, the world can, can, uh, continue to exist and my kids can have a nice long life. Um, John Q is going to do whatever it takes. Um, a young E from entourage, I think is one of the hostages in this film. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely an action movie. Uh, but the entire time you watch it, I mean, this guy has people hostage, right? He's got a gun. Mm -hmm. There's a whole SWAT team outside not once that I think he was doing the wrong thing. Was he doing it the wrong way? Yes. I want to clarify that, that I'm not going to go take a ER hostage. Um, but I can't fault him at all for the entirety of it. Um, I, I don't blame him. You know, and, and, you know, ultimately willing to give his own life just so his son can continue to live on. Um, this movie hit me in 2002 I was 13 and somewhat sensitive, uh, similar to Kurt. I, I mean, I walked out of there understanding the message here. I mean, it, it was not lost on me at all. It didn't get lost in the action. It didn't get lost in some of the, you know, the comedy behind the, the SWAT team, people falling through the ceiling and things like that. Um, to me, this is a really strong father-son bond, you know. And his son, uh, I forget, I think his name's also John. I can't remember. Um, you know, he's like kind of awake. He's whispering to him. I mean, it's gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had this. Have you guys seen this? Jeff. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had it in honorable mentions. Um, this, this gives off the same vibes for me as, as Taken does. Cause it's, it's purely what are the lengths you're willing to go to when your child is in danger or, or their life is threatened. Right. And yeah. I think does it's, this does this happen? Is it okay. a true story? No, I mean not, not this specifically, but I mean like I could. Oh, could, could this happen? See. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. this could happen. I mean, the transplant process—not to get into a whole big problem on the healthcare system globally—but the transplant process is not great, right? So I could easily see this happening. Yeah. Especially yeah. today, I mean, with well, and, and how what crazy parent... people are. I mean, John Q obviously goes to extreme lengths, but like what parent wouldn't be willing to give literally anything if it would help, if it would enable their child to survive. Yeah. Like, and Denzel plays this to the T. I mean, his yeah. emotion 
you're not going to find a better a better actor to play that role in my opinion and if if i'm doing the math right his son uh the, the actor's son is is about would have been about the same age that the son of the movie would have been playing um so i'm sure there's is more than a small aspect of it of of you know didn't have to draw too deep in the well of 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 emotion, you know, yeah. how do I get into the mind space of what a father of, of a, a kid this age would be? But from a movie perspective, I mean, the rest of the cast was, I mean, I'm Robert Duvall, it's never bad to see him in something. James no. Woods is used like I really was just well. gonna say, James Woods, didn't you guys talk about how hateable he was? Yeah, he, <laughs> he's like the hospital director in this, right? Who basically yep. says, Not happening, you know, we've got nothing for you. Yeah, I think, I think we need more Denzel on this podcast. You could do a podcast on Denzel. I think if yeah. we once we run out of these categories and we start picking actors and ranking their their top five movies, yeah. Denzel's going to be one of the first. The, the big picture five. just did that like a week ago. <laughs> so no, yeah. I was like really disappointed. I was like, give oh, it a little time. Well, we had to let that breathe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Damn it, Sean. <laughs> first name basis, love it. That's uh, um, yeah. We were talking earlier. He's cool yeah. with us. He's one of the 16. Yeah. So that's my two, my audible two. All right. It was a good, it's good I would have never known. I, really like I would have never known. I'll tell you what the, I'll tell you kind of what the first out was later. Um, but yeah. they were, they're, they're similar, but very different movies. Yeah. I audibled on my two Hefe as well. We'll, we'll talk about it later. I love it. Robert was your two. We already know what your one is. So my two is, arguably the greatest movie of all time the godfather um don vito corleone and the um relationships that he had not only with michael corleone but um sonny fredo and even tom hagen um you know he he um just just the the interplay between all of those relationships he had a different relationship with each kid um, he loved all of them, but, you know, I've, Michael was the one that he, you know, he had bigger plans for. He wanted him to be a senator. He wanted him to be a politician. And, um, you know, he was, he was the Don to everyone and, and, you know, everybody loved him. And, but at the same time, he was ruthless in, in his business. And, and I thought, you know, Brando's Brando. He, he's, he, he played the part perfectly and, um, you know, but just watching how he can kind of go between being a soft-spoken, you know, sort of father, grandfather when he's playing with his grandson in the garden and, um, you know, then turn around and, you know, order hits on half of the Italian, you know, half of the Italian mob. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie speaks for itself. It's on every list, you know, everywhere, but um for a reason that, though yeah right yeah right, right. you're right um yeah. and I, I do feel like it is kind of a it's easy to fall back on but you know when you look at what our category was i thought it it, it hits all of those um those if, it's, nice. if it's good it's, it's good yeah and what's interesting about this father-son relationship bob is that like you know i think any parent will do whatever possible to ensure that their kids can can do what they want right and like they're going to break down doors to try to help their kids succeed well he's also the the don of the family right so he can kind of do that to a degree 
in that business uh, with each kid in a, in a very different way than most parents can probably do it, albeit in an illegal, organized crime fashion. But um, that plays a role in this too, right? To your point, like, you know, one of them wants him to go be a senator, like get, get out of this altogether. Now for reasons, because he kind of, you know, he wants to be able to, he's the puppet master. He wants to be able to con- control the, the game, if you will. But um, that aspect of it is, I think, very interesting as well, you know? Yeah. It, you know, I, I stepped on it earlier unintentionally with the, the, the Road to Perdition piece, which, you know, I, you know Godfather came out of yeah. a couple years before Road to Perdition. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the scene of Brando, of, you know, not, not Michael, um, and just knowing that, like, that, that dream is dead. Yeah. Um, you know, the same thing of, of, you know, Sullivan saying, you know, Michael could get to heaven. Um, yeah, that's fathers right. wanting something better for their sons. Yeah, um, that's, that's a pretty common theme. That's a toughie. Great pick. I knew it was yeah. coming. That's why I left it out. I, th- I thought it was going to be Jeff that picked it, but mm-hmm. that's a good one. This is a very hard number two section. So Road to Perdition. Yeah, I think it's got to be Road to Perdition, two. though. Between well, Kirk you had it in number your... two, me picking at number one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's got to be Road to Perdition. I would agree. Yeah. All right. Feels weird taking that over like a movie as iconic as The Godfather, but I do. You said it last week, man. There's always that six. Francis Ford Coppola is overrated, right? That's on record. (laughs) Kurt Kurt said it. Hot take. Godfather three, my favorite Coppola movie. And just call him a spade a spade. Like we kind of don't care about the conventional picks every time we do these, with the exception of maybe being like rounders. Like Yeah. yeah. Well, what what hurts, and it, I'm I'm being facetious about the the Coppola thing. I'm not being facetious about Terrence Malick. Um, no, you're not. But like the the problem with The Godfather is like I can watch, you know, Road to Perdition is like I think it's a two hour movie. It's it's an undertaking to watch Godfather one or Godfather two, and so because of that, I just don't pull the trigger on it that often. Um, I don't know, maybe once every like five. It's years. also it's also poorly rewatched on cable. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to watch it unedited. Yes. Rewatchability is because what's it? Is it always on AMC? AMC yeah, d- yeah. dedicates the whole day because they almost have to for right, one yeah. and two with commercial breaks and edited. Yeah, Jeff, you're right. Like between the content and the commercial breaks, it's just it's you can't pop this on on cable. It has to be consumed in its original. It doesn't. Form. It doesn't. T- for me, it doesn't take anything away from like the greatness of the godfather and the trilogy therein but but it does hurt it in in its ability to kind of be enjoyed over and over again unless well, you have I, the dvd I almost, set i almost look at it as like smarter people than us have talked about the godfather smarter movie well, people we don't need us. to litigate like why yeah, yeah exactly that, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where i i throw yeah. it out there it's been talked about enough yeah yeah well uh, to piggyback on that my number one is Field of Dreams. Um, I think anyone that knows me, no shit, shocker, a mile away. Um, and I, I really don't have, you know, shockingly, don't have that much to say about it. I mean, either you've seen the movie by now or you haven't. Um, the whole crux of the story is is his the healing of his relationship with his father, which is what makes the last the last seven minutes of the movie totally worth 
uh, you know, everything you've seen up to that point. And everything up to that point is he's hugely enjoyable. It's, it's one of James Earl Jones's best roles. Um, you know, the, from a baseball perspective, it's, it's really enjoyable. From a road trip perspective, it's really enjoyable. From a time travel perspective, it, it's a weird movie. Like, there's so much of this just shouldn't work. Mm. And it does, because partly because it's really well written and partly because it's, it's I can't imagine it being more perfectly cast. Um, I was going to say partially from Burt Lancaster, Costner. Costner and Burt Lancaster is Moonlight Graham. And even like the guy who plays the dad is, is, is solid. Um, I, I, find you know, me, to, find me a movie that more middle, middle American dads enjoy that includes time travel. <laughs> than this, right. Like it's that, that whole piece of it can be completely ignored by folks that would want nothing to do with a movie that includes that. They're like, and in a weird way this. ties in the Godfather. Cause he's yeah. just walking by the theater. He's like, it's the Godfather's playing. It's like oh, time travel on a farm, but wait, there's baseball. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, so much of the relationship again. You know, to to go back to what I was talking about with Warrior, they don't really flesh out what happened between him and his dad. And in it, in a way, I don't think anything. There was no one big incident that they talk about. It's just it, it was a gradual deterioration of a relationship, mm-hmm. and I think a, a, a slow realization of your father's not a perfect person. And that goes back to like road to perdition where I think the last line of the movie is, is Michael Jr. Saying people ask me about Michael Sullivan. Was he a good man or was there no good in him at all? And I answer, he was my father. And I think that that's, that's a realization that, that almost everybody has to come to of, of, and our kids will come to about us of, we are not, you know, this, this infallible person. I'm pretty sure Finley already knows that I'm not, not that, but you know, I, you all have to, to face the realization of like your, your dad has flaws and it is not perfect. And in some cases is very not perfect. Um, Especially with a seven dad. iron. Still your dad. Oh my God. <laughs> they made this with golf. It'd be a totally different movie. You don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't cut the peanut butter and jelly, right? Kurt. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, one last piece like the, you know, as far as rewatchability, like the, having Ray Liotta in there who, who didn't really, like, if I remember right, like he didn't, didn't play baseball, doesn't like baseball, did this before Goodfellas to kind of like build his name up, but he's, he's really good in it. Well, um, when this came out, was it well-received? Like, was it critically Eric, acclaimed? Or what? Okay, it, right. it got nominated. Again, yeah, it got it was nominated. 80, mid-80s? Nine, so. uh, 90, I think. 90? Sticking stick with the 90 theme, Rob. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'm, I'm very, very – because Costner had done Bull Durham in the 80s. And the, the thing that's great about Costner in baseball movies is he 89. actually played. 89. 89. Okay. He actually played, which comes through. Like, so when he throws, I mean, there's nothing worse than like any sports movie where the guy that, who's supposed to be good, and Costner's not supposed to be great, but he's at least like proficient in throwing a ball. There's, you know, Tony Danza and Angels in the Outfield. Like, he, when he pitches, it's like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you guys couldn't get anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyway, that's, you know, the, the, the father relationship is, is, fundamental to feel the dreams and i have it as my one and uh you, no one's surprised do you think costner's just one of those guys that's good at everything though well i, well, I asked whether it was critically acclaimed because i was like is this just costner going to the studio and saying like, like hey i'm making this yeah. movie because you're, he also looks good like he also looks capable in yellowstone riding a horse like well, that that's him in real life in tin cup like he's you know he yeah. looks like a like i, I watch i think he's just one of those guys that's just I recently rewatched Dances with Wolves, and it was—I'm uh, on a Costner kick. I did Yellowstone, and 
he's just such a guy's guy. He he yeah. he ride he likes riding horses and he likes like sports. And he said he he was on Rich Eisen's show a, a couple months ago. I listened and, to that, and he basically yeah. said like I make movies that I like to I like doing these things. Yeah, yeah. And he he was on uh, behind him. He was on Simmons's podcast and was talking about when when they filmed for Love of the Game, which the baseball parts of for Love of the Game is is a great movie. Kelly Preston stuff is is garbage, but they, he was saying they they just basically pumped him full of steroids for for those pitching scenes when he had to throw like a hundred pitches a day. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. He didn't call it steroids, but he was like, they gave me the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greenies. Greenies. Yeah. Yeah. So Boy, what, what was he good at in Waterworld though? Swimming not drowning and not directly water. Yeah. <laughs> i'll watch That's... it if it's on tv though <laughs> I, I'll, I'll watch i'll watch 20 to 30 minutes of it yeah. if it's on tv <laughs> matt was was water world your number one today Did it actually is my number one it's a great segue. okay um no my number one is um oh man it, it's one of my one of my top notch uh girl dad picks uh Father of the Bride. Mm. Um, this movie has you from the very beginning with Steve uh, Steve Martin's monologue, talking about what it means to be, what it means to have a daughter, and then what it means to ultimately like watch her grow up. And, and, and I'll just, I'll read a quick note of it if you guys can indulge me for a second because he, he puts it better than I do. Like, you have a little girl, an adorable little girl who looks up to you and adores you in a way you can never imagine. And I remember our little hand used to fit into mine, how she loved to sit on my lap, lean against her chest, and I was your hero. Like, it, you start off a movie like that and it's just, when you talk about the, you know, the bond between a father and a daughter, it's just, that's it. And then he goes on to talk about like, you know, obviously it's about a wedding. He, 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 you know, you get scared about her meeting the wrong guy. And then very poignantly, he says, then you start to get scared about her meeting the right guy. Cause it means he's going to take her away from you. And as you know, four girl dads sitting here, like this movie's just, it's, it's a, it's a heart wrencher. It's a tear jerker in terms of like, you know, what it means to, to have a daughter but in a way that only Steve Martin can do, he makes you laugh the whole time and, and he makes you have fun with it. His, his frustration about the bills that come in for any, everything, even though he's having the wedding at his house. So you're saving, I want to say 50K out of the gate, right? By not having a venue. It's a but beautiful the, house too. It's a beautiful house. I mean, but that's what you can expect when Nancy Myers is attached to any movie. Like the house is going to be fantastic. Um, and, and it's just, yeah, it's just a great movie The the basketball scenes when they're, when they're shooting hoops in the middle of the night and you can tell they've got a really special bond. Um, the, the whole situation with, I forget the actor's name, but the guy that plays Frank, the, the wedding planner, uh, Martin, and, Martin Short. Yeah. yeah Martin Short's you. great in anything. Yeah. I mean, and, and Steve Martin's just like, this guy's just fleecing me for, for everything I'm worth. And I can't even understand what he's talking about. It's just the movie just never stops being, being hilarious and hitting when you. And it, it's also just like a great, like, uh, father daughter flick. So 
It's my number one. Solid, solid remake too. I mean, the the I mean, we talked about it before. My sister is a, a older movie uh, aficionado, so I mean, this I, she'd kill me if I didn't mention the the Spencer Tracy original mm-hmm. of this. But I mean, I think Steve Martin. It's one of those rare instances where like it's fine to update it. I mean, it's it's a story that's pretty universal and and really well yeah. acted. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is right in Steve Martin's wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Like, so. Which is weird for a guy that started with like the jerk and kind of that kind of movie to, to, he, because he, he did this in like parenthood and like some really good family movies, like around all around the same time. Um, um, and what's the one I mentioned it on the, um, the mentor honorable mentions with Michael King. Dirty, dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he does the, uh, sort of likable, but like sort of frustrated asshole thing very well yeah yeah it, it's rare that it goes off i mean he you know a, a movie like mixed nuts it can like go off kilter but that's pretty rare normally he pulls it off really well and this is one of them yeah what's yeah. with what's with all this what's with all the high top sneakers in the suits though like was that just like a, a 90s vibe or like that was i forgot uh, that on a, on a, i watched it last night on a rewatch i'm like why are the why are these guys wearing i know he owns a sneaker company but why are they wearing high top sneakers with tan suits? I just don't Coach, understand. Coaches versus cancer month or something. <laughs> that's where it came from. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, well, it's, you give me a panic attack about. Uh, yeah, well, I got at least two weddings. The the plan <laughs> <laughs> down the road, maybe, maybe three, maybe, maybe three. Right backyard, Kurt. <laughs> we'll fight. Yeah, yeah. You're all getting married on the same day. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe you can get a group group right at uh, White Marsh. You know, just yeah. let them know there's three coming. That's future Kurt's problem. Yeah, no one likes that guy anyway. That's a great two, or it's a great one. I'm sorry. Um, this is gonna be. I can already tell this is gonna be really tough. Jeff, let's let's make our lives harder and uh, give me your number one. What did you audible so from? Oh no no no! I audibled. Uh, the two and the six, I swapped. Those oh, out. not the one and the two. Yeah, that's even more impressive then. Okay, okay. Yeah, they were like head-to-head competitors. I'm noticing okay. a theme after, like, you look at this and you don't really do it, but then you start saying it out loud. It's fathers doing everything they possibly can for their sons. This one is no different. It's very dark. I'm sorry, we're gonna go here. 1999, Life is Beautiful, Roberto Benigni. D- too dark. Nope. Too dark. Nope. It's it's dark. So uh, valid though. Kurt has seen this. Have either of you two seen this? I haven't seen this. No, it doesn't surprise me. It's pretty dark. So uh, this movie won a lot. It was originally. It's not a great rewatch unless you're gonna go watch it for kind of the sake of the movie, uh, because it was originally shot in Italian and the American version is overdubbed. So. It takes a little while to kind of get through that overdubbing because uh, you can tell. It's also definitely done <clears throat> on a soundstage. But uh, this movie is pre-World War II is how it starts, kind of the three acts. Uh, and you have Roberto Benini, who I think wrote, directed, uh, you name it, he did it. He was also the lead in this. He beat Tom Hanks uh, that year for Best Oct- best oscar uh hanks was nominated for saving private ryan um so it's pre-war and he's a single guy he moves to this new 
town in Italy and he's happy-go-lucky and he's trying to get a fresh start. And then he meets this girl and, and kind of the second act is him meeting and falling in love with the girl and getting her to leave her at the time, fiance and start a family. The movie really starts uh, when they introduce the son of the two, uh, which is uh, Joshua. And Joshua's probably, I don't know, like four, something like that. Um, and the movie quickly turns because uh, the mother is returning to the house for Joshua's birthday and they're missing. And they're missing because they've been taken. Uh, the, the father is Jewish. And so the father and the son are Jewish. The, the, the mother is not. They've been taken uh, to what I think we can presume to be Auschwitz. Um, so it, it, this, he has an undying, he, he's this super lovable character, Roberto Benigni's character, his name's Guido in the movie, throughout the entire thing. Um, but it picks up with them in the truck on the way to the train station. And his first instinct is, you know, the son is like, where are we going? Where are we going? And they're in the back of this truck with tons of other people. And he's like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to ruin the surprise. It's for your birthday. You know, it's this big thing. It's, you know, we're going on this trip. And, and uh, Roberto's uncle's with them, who's an older guy, kind of a grandfather figure. And he gets him to buy into it. And he protects his son through the entire Holocaust uh, at the concentration camp by putting up this facade that they're in a game and they're going to win this prize, which is going to be a tank at the end. And he's got to, you know, he's got to play hide and seek the whole time. And, um, you know, he is obviously living hell in the concentration camp. They're hauling anvils around. And um, so he's he's trying to, A, stay alive in this concentration camp, which is hard enough. And B, keep his son alive, but also keep his son out of the reality of what's happening, you know, and everything is a game. He's like, did you eat today? He's like, yeah, but they didn't have any like jam. And he's like, oh, it's okay. That's okay. That means you get extra points because you didn't ask for anything. Right. It is a really hard watch. I yeah. watched it this week again. I saw it. Cool. This movie came out in 97. Um, when we moved back from California in 99, uh, we moved into a new house and like had a, a big, not big, but we had like a basement, kind of the, the tube projector flat screen TV with the surround sound. And the guy that installed it left a bunch of movies for us to like test out on surround sound. And for some reason, this was one of them. So I saw this in like 99, way too young. Yeah. And it really screwed me up when I saw it. Um, the kind of severity and, and uh, awfulness of, of, you know, the Holocaust is portrayed I think pretty well in this. Um, so it's, that's obviously makes it a hard watch. Um, but he, story. I mean, yeah, yeah, he does everything he can. I mean, like there's a scene and I guess spoilers, but there's a scene where, um, where Guido's being kind of taken away and, and that's the last time he's going to see his son. And he even does this kind of funny March that he's done for his yeah. son a couple different times to, to tell him like, Oh, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. It's okay. Um, it doesn't matter what's happening. The worst thing in the world that has ever happened in the world is happening to these people, to these characters. And this father is doing everything for his son to keep them alive 
and to keep his son from realizing what's happening. When we brought up the topic of father-son movies, I was like, this is it. This, this yeah. is it. For me, this is it. Um, yeah. it's, it's tough, but this is it. Yeah, and it would, I forget which, which you know, yeah, I think you covered the actual content of the movie really well. Um, from, a, from an actual movie perspective, it, I remember when, this, when, when he beat out Hanks, it was like a big deal. I think because a lot yeah. of people hadn't seen the movie. Um, well, right. And that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, why haven't I really heard about this if it was... Yeah. His, his star never really took off after phrase. that either. I think if he if he became like a uh, Christoph Waltz, or this was like the first thing of a long career, I think that this would get looked at more. But because it was kind of this like one hit wonder, and you have to dismiss it like that. Well, and but, shot I mean, in Italian too. Shot in Italian. It's about the Holocaust. It's a foreign a heavy film. Watch, foreign yeah. film. But like, Mel Brooks know, shit all over it. Mel Brooks said it was like he took too much fun. Literally. Which is crazy for Mel yeah. Brooks to say that, but I think that hurt it. I mean, but it was nominated I, for this was just a Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, this was the Shakespeare in Love year, which we talked about this already. But like the fact that so I mean, it wasn't a strong. It wasn't like the strongest Oscar ever. But Shakespeare in Love beat out Elizabeth. Life is beautiful. Saving Private Ryan and the Thin Red Line. And as much as I like, I I you know I had my problems with Thin Red Line. I would have rather had that over Shakespeare in Love. Uh, we can yeah. get you know it's a lot of politics in that, and that was like the height of. Weinstein, whatever. It's, but it's a shame that, like, you know, that maybe to Rob, to your point, had this actually won, then maybe, yeah, it would have been more, uh, more of a big deal. But I remember when Benini won, he walked over the chair. He jumped. He jumped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that. Yeah. And like he beat out Hanks. I I don't know. I remember like yeah. being some grumbling about like, but like Hanks had already won like two. Well, he I beat guess, out yeah, he beat out Edward Norton for American History X, which is awkward. Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters, Nick Nolte for Affliction, and Hanks for Saving oh, Private Ryan. All of these are just rough, rough watches that year. Like, the, and, and yeah. I, I guess <laughs> I'm surprised that yeah, like, like when year. I what think was, of what was wrong with everybody that year. Like, like yeah. Oh, this is a true story. This is a true story too. That uh, that played into it for me as well. Um, yeah. I 100% cried, maybe last night or the night before rewatching this. Yeah, I'm gonna, um, add, I'm gonna add it to the list because I feel like it's a movie I should have seen. It's, it's worth watching. It's, yeah, yeah. Way, to, way to bring yeah. the mood down, Jeff. That's a valid. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm glad I now know oh, about this movie and I need to watch this movie. Um, it sounds absolutely all. I, I, I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but I, I need to watch it. Yeah. Well, the solid top fives across the board. Bob's still um, Oh, wait, Bob already went. Road to Perdition. Yeah, Bob, so yeah. We're, it was Road to Perdition. We already took that. So the, the three that are in the number one spot, Field of Dreams, Father of the Bride, and Life is Beautiful. Um Going back, so we, we had to, to pick one of those for the number one spot. We've still got an honorable mention or a, a number six floater wild card, whatever you want to call it. We this talked about American Pie. Um, yeah, I kind of, man. Do you want to decide on, on the number one now or do you want to, to, to roll through honorable mentions fast? Why don't, we, I mean, I can't. Uh, why don't we roll through? I think what's tough about this is that you're the only one that's, you're the only other one that's seen Life is Beautiful. Um, 
it's going to make it a tough vote. But all of these are like for for people listening. I mean, the 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 six pack is you know it's essentially I I, I joke and say that it doesn't mean anything, but I mean it's really like here are movies that we think are are worth watching or or worth your while, and everything on on all these top five lists is one hundred percent. You know, if you haven't seen any of these, um, I think it's worth the time to see them. Yeah, Uh, I kind of like Father of the Bride in the in the number one. Wow, maybe it's the girl dad thing. Well, it's it, amongst the four of us, it. we are we're all girl dads, so I think it. it I mean, I. The... And then I, I'd fight for Field of Dreams as the the wild card, but I also like American Pie is like a classic. Field of Dreams is like that's the that's the dynamic, but there is no. That's what's what's the catalyst of what's moving things forward. But as far as like the actual relationship, you only see it for. For seven minutes and the first time you watch the movie you don't know that that's what's driving it right until he puts it all together at the end so that's that's kind of why in like a special kind of like sports father son yeah crossover kind of and it's also like yeah good rob i think i vote father of the bride uh, i mean the more i think about it and i think about what you know sort of the purpose of of this category was you know, it's watching his daughter grow up and, and yeah, uh, leave the nest. And then I happy. think I, for my wild card, <laughs> it's, just it's, I, it's at least happy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like all the, bummed out again, just having to relive. Yeah, like I don't want to diminish the significance of your pick because it sounds like a really important movie. But yeah. I'd I, put that in as honorable mentions. <laughs> in, in, how about this for the three that I'm thinking about for, for the number six spot is the birdcage. American Pie or Life is Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that's that's about as far. There's three like movies that have never been spectrum. said in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's. Why don't we go? Through, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll roll through honorable mentions, and the, and the way we'll do it is, uh, we'll, we'll start off by saying what's what's one movie that was real close to making the list but didn't quite make it, and then read uh, the titles of like, you know, the, the next the next five or six. Yeah. So Rob, we'll, we'll go in reverse order. Rob will. Uh, We'll start with you. What's what's one movie that was close to making it in but didn't quite make it? So you guys are probably going to be surprised at this, but Hacksaw Rich. Um, so if you remember oh. the the dynamic between um, and I, and I forget his name, Desmond Hugo uh, Weaving, right? Yeah, yeah. Desmond Desmond Doss and his father, who was a World War One vet who had all kinds of PTSD and you know, I forgot about alcoholism this. and mm-hmm. when, when the topic first came up, like it was one of the first things that came to my mind, not because you know it was the focus of the movie, but it was this, you know, throughout he had had, ser- you know, issues with his father and, and ultimately when he is hauled in for a, a court-martial um, his father you know, goes down there and backs him up and, and basically, um, you know, gets him out of it. So not gets him out of it, but, but does yeah, what he yeah. has to do to, to make everybody aware that he's being, um, you know, sort of unfairly prosecuted. I totally forgot about that yeah. aspect of the movie. That's a great I did too. Yeah. Um, and then, and a, then few, one, yeah. a few of my other ones were uh, Pursuit of Happiness, um indiana jones and then last crusade yeah and then the sound of music uh, again christopher Plummer. Mm, yeah he bias but you know he's he's got those uh those six or so austrian kids who sing pretty well yeah they do all right 
to do our so job, pursuit Rob. pursuit of happiness was my six six slash two up against john q um but on the rewatch i mean i don't know how much is there i mean like yes he's doing everything possible right like because of the kid and i think there's the there's the scene uh in the bathroom obviously and you know he's yeah. like that's brutal um but it, it kind of like blurs the line between himself and the son it, you know so uh that would have been my six other ones i had in here uh were the goofy movie Oh. Nice. Great call. Finding Nemo. Yeah. Yep. I had that. Big Fish, which I thought Kurt would have. It was real. It wasn't even the honorable mention, but it was real close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big Daddy, which Kurt took a big dump on. <laughs> and then. Can we talk uh, about Big Daddy just for a second? I, I think we had a little bit of time. I can't believe it wasn't Rob's like three or two. Well, so I thought about making a case for this as a number five because yes, he, he's not Sonny Koufax is not Julian's father, but Frankenstein. You know, Frankenstein, thank you. Families come in all shapes and sizes, and it, if you really think about it, Julian has not had a father figure we can assume up until this point because he's been living with his mother in. Buffalo, right? I like that John Stewart is the real father, by the way. John Stewart mm -hmm. is the real father. But even John Stewart takes notes from Sonny when that actually all comes out, right? So good father Com figure. Completely unreachable, yeah. really. John Stewart's completely unreachable for the entire yeah, entirety of this movie. Like cell like, phones were around. He's got a beeper at least. Like, I don't know. It's a really good movie. I, I read an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson that him watching that made him cast Sandler in Punch Drunk Love because he thought that there was something there that this guy just has underlying rage, which is like, I think, at the core of like every role that Sandler ever plays. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it is a really good movie. So it's one of Sandler's best movies. I, if somebody put it on there, I would have, I definitely would have allowed it. Um, and and, 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 and Sandler's relationship with his own father in that. Yeah. 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 And the, the, yeah. Sandler's whole cast is in that too, which is great. Rob and I saw Dante in uh, Westchester guest bartending one night. It was we very did. strange. <laughs> that seems really very on brand. He was very <laughs> tan. Grandma's boy coming off. Yeah. Rob and I, this is a quick aside, but we pulled up to the bar, like the actual bar to get drinks and sat down and sitting to my right was ryan dunn from jackass and he's like hey man and i'm like well this is getting interesting and then we turned around to order beers and dante's the bartender i'm like are we already drunk what happened and he was like happily like he was behind the bar with the bartender like slinging drinks like he it was, was right after grandma's boy came out um, he's very tan in that movie yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then the last one i had on here was fly away home uh the oh the canadian goose uh, jeff daniels yeah, yeah. Oh, in the 90s man. hard yeah, yeah i love that movie if we got free willy in there it's a sleeper <laughs> oh free willy we got foster too. fathers going yeah yeah 
Sorry, Matt, if I stepped on you. No, no, you didn't. I've been kind of audibling as we go. Luckily, I had a deep bench. Um, so my first one is outside Providence. Um, I didn't that have was, a chance. That almost made the cut. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't have a chance to rewatch this, unfortunately. Um, and I'm kind of just piecing together what I had from memory, but I, I think it fits the bill. I also love Alec Baldwin's line. I hope I don't offend anybody by repeating it, but you know, the making sex is like Chinese dinner. It ain't over until you both get your cookies. <laughs> just classic <laughs> Alec Baldwin dad line in this. Happy just, Fairly Brothers, yeah. Happy yeah. Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, then I had uh, Liar Liar. Yep. Um, remember the Titans? Mm. Yost and oh. um, is it Sharon? I think it's Sharon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty sure. Yeah. That that one that one's strong. It just didn't have like enough screen time to really make it. Um, the Santa Claus. Yep. Be back Ooh, on I watched that recently. Yeah. And so, uh, the Lion King. Mufasa. Yeah. I thought Lion King was going to come up. Um, yeah. I'm surprised it didn't, but it's I don't know. It, I don't think uh, I don't think people need to rush out and uh, oh, what's this Lion King movie? Yeah, if you haven't seen the Lion King, you have no business. Give it a watch. <laughs> Go yeah. see the Goofy movie instead. Yeah, Goofy movie is a great soundtrack. Okay. Uh, Five the one. movie that that almost made it was a pure personal preference. It was a Dennis Quaid, Jim Caviezel movie from I think '99. We're sticking with the '90s hard. Oh, Frequency. Uh, frequency. Yeah, I rewatched Fuck. it. I forgot. It about is. This. It is a. It is a very good bad movie. Um, from. It, I really like that movie. Though. I really, I really like, like it too. I, I really wanted to put it in. I love it. Like it's a great oh, time travel movie. Man, I wish it did. Um, I completely it's forgot not, about this movie. It was really close. Like it's, it's a good twist on a time travel thing. Um, it's got it's got, some it's got plot feel. holes that are like gapingly wide. <laughs> who cares? It's but really it's, fun. It's got Phil so Dreams vibes though too. It like does. It's essentially the same thing where they're they're connecting with each other. Still here, chief. Against yeah. their uh, their shared passions. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that that was that almost made it. Um, I also there think, was, speaking yeah. of Dennis Quaid and, and uh, Kevin Costner, whatever the movie was where Dennis Quaid was a, a rookie pitcher. And That's on my, yeah, baseball. the rookie is on my list too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin yeah. Costner probably could have been recast in that movie. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other uh, names on the list was uh, Tree of Life, which is the unstoppable force of my love of Brad Pitt meeting the immovable object of my ambivalence toward Terrence Malick. Um, that's, that's not going to get on the list, but I'll, I'll mention it briefly. Um, and then he got game, October Sky, Fences. Ooh, October Sky is great. October Sky is really good. Yeah. Chris Cooper in like a very early role. Um, we talked about Ben Stiller earlier, the Meyerowitz stories. Um, good Noah Baumbach oh. movie with, with Sandler and, uh, and Dustin Hoffman. I didn't like that movie. It's, yeah, like, it, Bombback is just Bombback is so hard to. It's never a happy story. It's like Mary, he did Marriage Story and Squid and the Whale. Um, it was like highly kind of acclaimed, a mindset. but it was really weird. I think there's a reason it went right to Netflix. I think. Well, I guess Marriage Story did too. But yeah, I, I'm with you, Jeff. Like I, I wanted to mention it, but it's you know it has scenes in it that 
that I think are, were good, but um, it's, it's not his best. Uh, and then my last forward, the Descendants, 25th Hour, Kramer versus Kramer, and Magnolia. And that was... Uh, I about the Descendants, too. Descendants was, was yeah. I liked it. It's, it's uh, one of Clooney's best, I thought. So, I, I mean, you guys tell me I didn't hear anything in uh, other than maybe Frequency <laughs> of, of, of something going to an honorable mention. I mean, I think, you know, listen, for people listening... Yeah, maybe either American Pie or Life is Beautiful. If you haven't seen Life is Beautiful, it's it's worth watching. Um, for maybe the, the enjoyable aspect of the list, maybe maybe American Pie sneaks in. To uh, what did we decide on number one? Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are the three? It was. You guys throw them out, but I mean the the ones that kind of stuck out to me were. The Birdcage, American Pie. And life is beautiful, and American Pie is—it's kind of like an iconic. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to give that one to Bob. I like I said, Eugene Levy's on my Mount Rushmore dads. I'm, I'm is, on a Shit's Creek run right now too, so it's yeah. like maybe there's recency bias there, but yeah, I'm for, I'm for it. I'm good with all right those three. So I'll begrudg- I'll begrudgingly <laughs> allow it. So the. Uh, the six pack is Catch Me If You Can, Interstellar, Mrs. Doubtfire, Road to Perdition, Father of the Bride, and American Pie. But obviously, if we talked about any of the movies that, that you just heard, they're worth your time. Jeff, you got a tally of, of who our winner was? Somebody took three points tonight. I just want to call that out. So Matt took, he got a half point on Catch Me If You Can. He no. got another half point. Full points. We deal in full points here, Hefe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt won a night with three. Rob, actually, that's not true. Matt and Rob tied for three. Rob's got three. Robbie had a great debut. Cody and I, uh, Cody and I each took one. It's, it's a good name. list. It's a good list. And Rob, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, we, look forward to, we look forward to having you back when we do our West Wing countdown. <laughs> I'm all in. Episode by episode. I'm all, it only took me three years to watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back with episode eight sometime in the near future. But have a good week, guys. This is fun.